0: Nothing is going to teach you leadership skills like running a company, especially when you've never had that experience. So I started by assuming I knew nothing and asking a lot of questions and listening to what people told me and then acting on it. And I feel like that's what every leader should do.
1: Welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and who are fascinated with stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here. Our lives are multi-dimensional, and that's why the tagline is Live, Work, Love Colorado. In this episode, I'm on the road. I'm speaking with Carrie Siggins, CEO of Stone Age Water Blast Tools. This is a Durango, Colorado company selling its products through offices around the world. If you think Water Blast products are cool, you'll like this interview. If you think an employee owned industrial company with a female CEO who speaks and writes about leadership could be pretty interesting. You'll enjoy this episode of ProCo 360. Before we jump in, let me give a big thank you to our studio hosts Dustin and Ty here at 92.9 The Point, to Stephanie Schnur at the Holiday Inn Hotel and Suites in Durango. She's putting me up, and to Jack Llewellyn, head of the Durango Chamber of Commerce, for making these introductions and handling my logistics. Carrie, thanks for being on ProCo 360. Thanks
0: for. Having- having me.
1: Carrie looks wide awake, but she just (laughs) flew in from the Netherlands last night, so I'm really glad you're here.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: We'll keep things moving so you stay awake. And uh, so let's start, though, with an overview of Stone Age, maybe the problem you're solving for your customers, and then the size and scale.
0: Sure. So for anybody who's wondering what a a water blast tool is, it's basically a squirt gun on steroids. Yeah. It's the best way to explain it to people. So we help um, our customers clean really hard uh, cleaning applications. So, our tools are used in refineries, chemical plants, petrochem plants, shipyards, anywhere you'd use ultra-high-pressure water to clean. And we're talking really high pressure. So, the pressure at a, at a car wash is about 700 uh, PSI, which is enough to remove the dirt, but not the paint. Mm-hmm. Our tools start at 2,500 PSI and go to 40,000. So, 40,000. Yeah.
1: This could basically take a limb off your body. Pretty
0: much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. And so your customers, though, are all over the world. They're buying your products made in Durango, right? That's correct. And how did you start a company in Durango that's now international and and really dominating in this really specialty niche?
0: Sure. So our two founders, uh, one is from Durango, one is from Denver. They met at the Colorado School of Mines, and they developed their first product for uh, uranium mining applications. And Mm. there's a lot of uh, uranium in the Four Corners area and they developed the first water jet rock drill Hmm. and then Three Mile Island accident happened in the late 70s and no more nuclear power generation uh, was going to happen so they had to pivot and they did several civil engineering projects which is where the name Stone Age came from Hmm. and then they met a industrial cleaning contractor who said if you can clean, uh, if you can cut holes in rocks with that you can clean this heat exchanger and so that's how they pivoted into industrial cleaning but they were really wanted to keep the company here in Durango. That was something that was uh, incredibly important to the men, still uh, still is, yeah. and so we have figured out how to remain here, even though our customer base is not in Durango. Yeah,
1: and you've got offices, how many offices around the world do you have?
0: Uh, we have, uh, th- besides our headquarters here in Durango, mm-hmm. we have three in the United States and two in Europe, Wow. and then we have employees all over the world.
1: That's so cool. And speaking about employees all over the world, I uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to speak with Karen areas because of your focus and intense interest in leadership the topic of leadership becoming a better leader and so forth and and as much as water blasting tools are cool i think talking about leadership <laughs> is is maybe a broader interest to sure. to the audience right so let's start with when you began a focus on becoming a leader?
0: Sure. So uh, I was hired relatively young uh, at uh, the ripe age of 28. I had just turned 28 when uh, John and Jerry, our founders, had made the decision to hire me. And I have always been a, a natural leader, but nothing is going to teach you leadership skills like running a company, especially when you've never had that experience. So I was pretty much thrown into it uh, and had to learn on the job. And I would say that I started by... Assuming I knew nothing and asking a lot of questions and listening to what people told me and then acting on it, and I feel like that's what every leader should do. I just didn't have a choice. I had no idea how to run a company. I knew nothing about industrial cleaning and water blasting tools, so I had to learn so much. And that uh, that experience at the very beginning of my leadership journey journey has really informed even still how I lead today, which is asking a lot of questions and letting other people. Tell me what I need to do, Mm -hmm. and uh, Hmm. and it's really worked for me.
1: Yeah, you know that doesn't strike me as what most people think of leadership, which is uh, what you. It's almost the opposite. Mm -hmm. Most entrepreneurs, and maybe this is where you you know you're different because you didn't actually start the company but most entrepreneurs I think at least I did felt they should have the answers and be in a position to say what needs to be done
0: sure uh, well don't get me wrong I definitely have my opinions on what yeah, needs yeah. to be done but uh, what I'm trying and what I'm trying to create what Stone Age and John and Jerry really were creating was a company that wasn't dependent on any one person hmm. and it really takes all of us and I surround myself with people who are much much smarter than me and have different talents than I I have And so if I'm going to hire the best and not listen to them uh-huh. uh, and not let them develop their own ideas, then, you know, I don't really know what the point of hiring really great people. Um, yeah. So my job is to create a really great team set the vision and then try to get out of the way and course correct and and do what I'm really good at but uh, it's really about the company is only as good as the weakest team member Mm. and so my goal is to have all really great teammates Mm. and then you can't help but have a successful company.
1: Mm. Well if it's only as successful as the weakest team member does that mean part of your job is making sure there aren't any?
0: Yeah I work really hard on it and it's all about people development. Well
1: going back because some of the listeners are entrepreneurs, they're people that are starting companies or thinking about starting companies. And, you know, you at 28 thought you were a natural born leader. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know now, is that such a thing? Uh, go ahead. What are you, what's your thinking?
0: Are, are, so you're asking me, are leaders born or, are or leaders made? made? Yeah, of
1: course. That's the, yeah. You know, people use that phrase a lot. Sure. Which is it?
0: I think it can be both. Uh, I think that there are people who absolutely have natural leadership skills who step into those roles easily. But I'm a huge believer in self-leadership. In fact, that's what we're developing at Stone Age, our Mm self-leaders. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to manage manage people or lead a company or even lead a a department. But you can still be a self-leader, which is how you choose to show up every day, what kind of teammate you're going to be. So I believe that every human being has the ability to be a self self leader, leader. Mm -hmm. but some of that Mm -hmm. has to be developed because if you're not um, if you don't ever feel that personal power, mm-hmm. and I don't like to use the word empowered because it feels like you're bestowing something. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. Which
1: they should already have really, right? It is yeah. that personal yeah. power yeah. and the
0: self-confidence and sometimes that has to be developed in people and so I've seen people who haven't felt that they were natural born leaders turn into mm-hmm. some of the very best individual contributor leaders mm-hmm. um, within mm-hmm. within Stone Age.
1: Yeah, there's a cool book and a friend of mine, Aaron Dignan wrote called Brave New Work and a lot of that has to do with how do you create an environment where people can govern their behavior within a, a much broader construct.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I'm curious, too, as I thought about this interview and you becoming a leader at 28, actually, when you were hired, you were hired as someone that they wanted to eventually hope would take over the company, right? Right. right. So how do other people in the room who know that other people in the company see, oh, here's this 28 year old, know nothing who they're hiring. Uh, How does that change your behavior and, or did it change your behavior? And how did that feel?
0: Sure. I I know for a fact, there were several people who said, what are you doing (laughs) to the owners or to you? Yeah, Why are you hiring her? Uh, And I think that even they probably questioned that, too. Uh, I know that they did. Mm-hmm. It was, how do we bring in somebody who doesn't have the experience uh, and choose this candidate over people who did? Yeah. But it was really about the cultural fit. And, mm. uh, and so, yes, it, it put a lot of pressure on me of um, feeling like I had to prove myself. And I definitely made some missteps along the way uh, where I would come in too forceful of Mm -hmm. this is how we're going to do Mm. it and would learn a lesson about, you know, really it's about bringing everybody along. So Mm -hmm. it was a very interesting first couple of years as I was trying to navigate two founders, uh, a company who had only been led by them yeah. and a management team who was really looking for that, you know, how do we take it to the next level? So yeah. it was, it was a lot of fun, but there were some tears, that's for sure. So
1: can you think of a time of, you know, you said you came in too forcefully. I mean, you must be picturing something. What, what happened? What did you do that? Like, wow, I don't want to do that again.
0: Yeah. Uh, I def, I, There was one that vividly I remember, and I made an assumption. I didn't get all the information. I made an assumption about uh, how something was done, and it wasn't accurate. Mm. And I came down hard on a person in public Mm. in front of a group over it, and, and it really damaged that relationship. And it made also other people nervous about... To, uh, bringing things up to me yeah. because they said, you know, she didn't listen. And it still sticks in my mind of like, yeah. I'm never doing that again. I'm going to make sure mm. that I know everything before I make a, uh, a call like that. Yeah,
1: especially, and, in, and, in Especially when in public, right? Oh, yeah, it was a big uh, mistake. Uh, I had a really successful uncle who I worked for for a couple of years who once said, uh, and I remember I've told my boys, you haven't learned your lesson until you do it right the next time. Mm-hmm. People always say, oh, I learned my lesson. <laughs> no, not necessarily, right?
0: I love that. I haven't um, heard that. That's good. <laughs> yeah.
1: and um, And, you know, I can just imagine, though, how the owners of that company, saw you do that they must have been squirming thinking oh my god!"
0: they are i'll tell you they're two the most inspiring people i've ever met uh and they they really it's profound actually how fast they were willing to hand the reins over to me but Mm. they knew that to have a, a a a sustainable company and to create their legacy, they were going to have to hand it Mm. over. And so they were willing to go along on that ride with me, but there were some course corrections and there were certainly, um, Mm. very difficult conversations about, you know, the direction that the company needed to go. But we would just committed at the very beginning to work together to resolve any kind of issue that came up. And that's what we did.
1: That's pretty impressive. And to some extent it, it makes me feel like they got kind of lucky in that they chose someone who was correctable. Yeah.
0: I think, to be honest, considering what I've learned about Founder. Uh, professional management transitions, I do believe that this is a pretty unique situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was the right combination of their style and my style. Wow. I'm not sure that many other people could have been successful in mm-hmm. it, um, but it just clicked from with wow. us from the very beginning.
1: Wow. Listeners, I'm going to remind you, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Carrie Siggins of Stone Age Water. Blast Tools. And this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, MicroStar Keg Logistics, and Kinsley Meetings. These great service companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and ProCo360. So, with Under your guidance, uh, Carrie, how long had you been there before you decided it's time to make this company employee-owned?
0: Well, interestingly, we've been employee-owned for almost 30 years. Ah. Uh, John and Jerry decided that they wanted to share in the success of the company um, long before we became an ESOP. And so they created a homegrown stock ownership program Mm. where employees could invest in the company and become owners. And so we'd been doing that for quite some time. Uh, But part of the decision for we really had to work through what their transit their transition was really going to look like. These employees who were buying stock were doing it for mm. the feeling of ownership mm. but what happens if something happened to John and Jerry? Did they really want to be the owner of the mm-hmm. company and the responsibility that came with it? And so we had to make a decision about what direction we were going to go in and private equity and a strategic buyout was absolutely not on the table. They have a legacy that they uh, they want to preserve and uh, and that was not going to meet those needs. So it was either a management buyout or an ESOP. And we made the decision that broad ownership was uh, the way that we wanted to go. And yeah. so then an ESOP was really the only um, option for us. So we started that process in 2014 and became a formal ESOP in 2015.
1: And do you think although this is the only company you've really led, but you travel around, you speak on leadership, you talk to people about leadership. Do you think running an employee-owned company is inherently a lot different or not that different from running another sort of company?
0: I don't think it's... I don't think it, it's different, but I don't think it's a lot different. I mean, we still have the same exact challenges that everybody faces of how do you add value to your customer? How do you create great culture? How do you inspire people to, to buy your products and come to work every uh-huh. day? I do think that it is it adds an extra dimension. Um, my employees are amazing. They are so invested in what we're doing. And I believe that's because they value the fact that They get to share in the success Mm -hmm. of the company. And so we just, we're a happy company. Mm -hmm. Anytime anybody comes into Stone Age, they say, I wanna work there. How can Uh I get a job here? Everybody just looks like they love being here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that extra level of investment. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it does add people, you want people to have the ownership mentality. And so there comes a responsibility with that transparency. Probably an extra layer of questioning: Why are Mm -hmm. we doing these Mm -hmm. things? But I wouldn't want it any other way. That is, to me, what makes a great culture, and that I want people to be invested. And so that that employee ownership opportunity really offers that.
1: Yeah, and has it been a nice platform for you to explore your? Inherent interests in leadership and what it means to be a leader, and so
0: forth. Absolutely, I think that that's why this has been such a great fit for mm-hmm. Stone Age and me. As that, I think that this is I've I've drank the E.S.O.P. Kool Aid, yeah. the employee ownership Kool Aid, and it ties in exactly to the kind of leader who I want mm-hmm. to be.
1: So here's what I was wondering as I was also thinking about speaking with you is like here's a woman that CEO of an employee owned company who really is into leadership, you write a blog on leadership, you speak on leadership and so forth, doesn't that make you sort of vulnerable to if people evaluating you as like, does she really do what she says?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I believe that that's what makes you a stronger leader is that you can't just get up there and talk about it. You have to actually walk the walk. And so I do that every day. And it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes and that I don't sometimes get frustrated or do the yeah, wrong thing. Yeah. And But it, it adds that extra layer of accountability.
1: Yeah, but gosh, aren't you, you know, once you become the expert on something, aren't you supposed to behave as an expert, like not make mistakes anymore?
0: Oh gosh, I'm not an expert. Um, I still learn every single day uh, how to lead and how to not lead. So, Mm -hmm. if I ever become an expert, then I should probably get out of leadership because that means I've stopped learning.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I'm curious about what you think of the role of ambition in leadership. I just interviewed Dave Thibodeau of SCA and I was talking with him over the phone the other day too. And he said, he. I told him I was going to be talking with you. He said, you are driven and ambitious, which I think <laughs> is a great compliment. But how do those qualities translate in leadership?
0: Sure. Uh, well, for me, it's definitely put me into where I am today. I am ambitious, but not in a at all costs kind of way I just like pushing boundaries I have pushed boundaries my entire life since I was two years old my mom told me you are the boss of our family (laughs) and so I've always just figured out how do I push myself Um, and I do that in 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 and how I show up with athleticism uh, and how I push myself physically, how I push myself uh, at my work. And so I think people think it's just pure ambition that comes. Hmm. Part of it is, is that it's what I'm driven to do every day. I can't not try to be great at what I'm doing because I always see like, there's that next mm-hmm. thing out there. There's that next thing out there. And I have to balance that. It, could be, uh, it can be unhealthy at times, but it's so much fun to see what you're capable of and you hit that next thing and you know, I know I can do something more Hmm. and, and that's what gets me up every day.
1: Wow. Do you ever rest from that?
0: Uh, I don't need a whole lot of sleep and so, which is a good thing. I do try to rest and recover. I believe that self care is a discipline, not a luxury. Uh So I do try to take care of myself, but I would say that, um, I am on more than I'm off.
1: Wow. You also talk a lot about the importance of really effective communications. And so in in your role as a leader and as you're communicating, what are a couple of things that go through your mind when you say, "Okay, I need to I need to communicate whatever it is Mm -hmm. effectively. Sure. You have a couple of mantras that you tell yourself.
0: I do. Uh, I always know what the outcome is, that what outcome am I looking for? I ask myself that question. If it's something that's planned or even spontaneous. Uh, what do I want? What do I want to get out of this right now? And that way it sets the the right tone. And I always mm-hmm. want something to be a positive experience and, uh, and to have a positive outcome, even if it's a difficult conversation. So I think about that first. Then I think about my tone. There are lots of ways to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I always, people want to hear the positive side of it. So you can say something like, I don't want you to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you're on the right track. Have you thought about doing uh-huh. it this way? Uh-huh. You know, what different outcome could you achieve? And that puts, the, um, puts a positive spin on it, and it inspires people to think about what they can do more of rather than what they yeah. should stop doing. Well,
1: so that takes a lot of discipline, because if you just want to have a 30-second conversation, how long do you think about it before you have that 30-second conversation?
0: You have to think about it in the moment. But I look at every conversation I have as a crucial conversation. And what do I want people to experience after they leave my office or stop talking with me. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be a positive, memorable, impactful conversation, even if it is a difficult one. And so I have to run through Mm -hmm. those things quickly in my mind or even when I'm speaking. How do I Mm -hmm. take this and turn it from a negative into a positive Mm -hmm. right now in the moment? So you can't be lazy in your communication if you want to be a really effective communicator. You always have to know this is a crucial conversation.
1: Yeah, some of the worst mistakes I've made in relationships had to do with me speaking off the cuff and not, not doing just what you've said and then regretting, like, how did that come out of my mouth? Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, So as, as a leader, do you communicate differently at work than you do like with a peer or even at home?
0: Uh, no I don't think so in fact my husband often tells me "Like, quit being the CEO <laughs> are we really going to talk about effective communication or you yeah. know the outcomes that you want uh, I use the same, same language uh, no I think it's woven into everything that mm-hmm. I do uh, certainly I consider who I'm talking to and the outcome that I want but pretty much what you see is what you get with me mm-hmm. uh, if you read my blogs that's me it's 100% yeah. um, authentic and so no I would say that I um, I try to be myself hmm. and I'm a pretty informal yep. uh, communicator. I, I, I like to have it be fun. And like I said, a, a positive experience. So uh, I think that that, it's pretty much the same, whoever I'm talking
1: hmm. with. That's cool. Uh, I, I wanna remind listeners again, this is ProCo three sixty. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs and leaders who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Carrie Siggins of Stone Age. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Please rate Proco 360 in your app. It helps a ton. I appreciate it. Carrie I'm wondering if a lot of the things that you talk about your style and your purposefulness and communication and such I mean you mentioned in our previous conversation with me that being a woman in an industrial company has been unexpected for many of your peers, for others. So how does your management style and your leadership style translate into that world and expectations right within it?
0: Absolutely. Well, I can say there's probably that's nothing more of a man's world than industrial cleaning. (laughs) There's nothing like cleaning sewers that scream (laughs) like I'm in a man's world. (laughs) Uh, And so to be honest, I haven't put a lot of time into thinking about it. Uh, It's not something that it's, you know, I prep myself for, okay, I'm going in and I'm going to be the only woman here, which many times I am. Uh, But I certainly have to to have awareness around it because I am in a man's world and and there are um certain expectations or you know people don't necessarily people don't believe in me. I actually had somebody tell me, "I can't even believe that you have been as successful as you could. I never thought a woman could mm. run a company like Stone Age and be successful in this industry." Is
1: that annoying or flattering?
0: I take it as flattering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's you can always choose how you want to take yeah. any, com- any, any comment. And so I choose to say, thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I've worked really hard to, um, to get where I am and, and build a great company. And so I appreciate that. Thank hmm. you. You could choose to look at it a different way. And so there've been times that I've had comments that have been made to me, um, even recently where I thought you probably wouldn't say that if I was a woman, but I let it go. It doesn't matter. I
1: mean, if you were a man, I mean, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah talking yeah, you. Yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you wouldn't have said to me that if I was a man uh, like that, but it doesn't really matter because I'm going to choose to look at it as a mm. positive thing and to keep on um, doing what I'm doing, even if I have people who don't believe in me. And that could be anyone. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, but it's an, it's definitely interesting. I was just in, in Germany uh, at a, a meeting with some pretty big. Uh, Companies and it was fifteen men and me, Hmm. and it's pretty much just the way the industry works. Hmm. And I feel like for the most part, it's I I can use it to my advantage, but uh, and it's helpful to have a different, have a diverse group of people in the room. But um, I think that for some people, it's always there.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you've um again stepped out on your own. You kind of broken a mold in a sense with this whole. Concern about safety in your industry. You've taken, talk about that for a bit.
0: Sure. So. Uh, so uh, shockingly, there. The, first of all, water blasting, water jetting is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do. Um, ultra high pressure water. Most people are doing it manually, which means they have the hose in their hand, wow. mm-hmm. and uh, and there's no set standard of of how you should do water blasting, like you would with welding or elect being an electrician. And uh, and I think that that's a really big downfall for our industry. And there are so many incidences, water jet cuts, water jet fatalities. And there's no need to because there's a safe way to do the work. And the industry is moving more and more to automation. So uh, we, a a couple of uh, other people in the industry and I got together about 18 months ago and said, we have to stop this. There's just, we've got to figure out how to get basic safety standards set in our industry that you can do this, whether it's in the United States, Europe. China, wherever you go, Mm -hmm. this is the basic um, way that we do this work. And we started this movement and it has picked up Hmm. a tremendous amount of speed uh, over the past 18 months.
1: So it sounds like it's gratifying for you personally. Has Has it had an impact on Stone Age as a business?
0: Absolutely. So first and foremost, I believe that being at the forefront of safety is the right thing to do. There's no reason that anybody should die in our industry, and everybody should take a personal responsibility for mm-hmm. that. Uh, but of course, it benefits Stone Age because we are we are the leaders in tooling and automated equipment, and uh, and it puts us in the forefront of the conversation. Mm. And I get calls from—I mean, I was just invited by uh, you know Dow Chemical to and BASF to the biggest chemical companies in the world, the two biggest com- mm. chemical companies in the world—to come and speak. To to senior leadership about uh, what this movement is mm. and and that certainly elevates stone age and says sure. hey we want you to use their equipment in their plan. Yeah. You know they're doing things that are making the industry safer. We appreciate that. So there's a direct benefit.
1: That's really cool. So I know you, and you you you're out speaking some on leadership. Mm-hmm. You're working on this safety movement, right? So you're gone doing some things. How does that impact the team back home? Is that good? Is it bad? Is it creating different opportunities? How how do you sure. see that?
0: So I think it ties back to what we talked about at the beginning of the com- of the conversation. If I didn't have a really great team at home, being able to to run the company and to keep things moving, then I wouldn't be able to go out and work on these other initiatives that aren't in the business. It's on the business. And so, uh, I believe that the team, we've had to develop and Mm -hmm. evolve so that I don't have to be there quite as much, Uh, but they certainly have stepped up and are doing a great job.
1: Do they see what you're doing, which is really a passionate, passion-driven activity, do they see that as a company thing or as a carry thing? And is there any kind of tension around that?
0: I think that everybody absolutely supports what I'm doing, uh, they know that it's going to benefit the company, and that being at the forefront of leadership is absolutely where Stone Age needs to yeah. be. But they also know that I have a personal passion for speaking, and uh, and they want me to pursue that. In fact, my board of directors has said, the more that you can do this, hmm. the better it is for the, for the company and for you. And so that's really something that's great about Stone Age is that hmm. it's not just about. Work, 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 but it's also about pursuing, we're also about pursuing your personal passion, Mm -hmm. and especially when those two can be combined, mm -hmm. then it's a really magical thing, and so I feel 100% supported in in this effort. That's really cool. That's really
1: cool, and so you become a role model for employees that have other interests and passions that tie and support one another.
0: And we do that all the time. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: So, you're based in Durango. you told you, you said that the company's founded here. is there there's no temptation to leave at all, is there? No. Yeah. No. so are you able to find enough workers and 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 so forth here
0: we there are some roles that we struggle with.
1: yeah, I mean there must be some challenges yeah, with being absolutely. in Durango.
0: two, I think the two biggest challenges we face are. Finding talented, the right kind of employees for the future. Um, it's not a manufacturing community yeah. here, so we do have to bring people in from outside the area, which is always a risk. and uh, And then the second piece is that transportation. Yeah. We have a transportation issue. Uh, there's no major highways, no major airport, and so we have to work to overcome those. And
1: you've two got things. big equipment in some we cases, do. right? Yeah. So are you are you sending flatbeds out of out of Durango to, to some other major distribution center to ship products around the world? Yes. So, uh, you know, that's got to create some disincentives as far as costs. Sure. You know, it's how a, do you do? It's yeah. a
0: big balance for us because uh, we obviously our customers only want to pay for something they have fine value in yeah. and transportation to and from Durango nef- does isn't necessarily that. So, yeah, yeah we we are working hmm. on how do we how do we use our other hubs as yeah. inventory places to keep inventory and try to reduce mm-hmm. shipping costs but and still keep the core of what we do here in Durango.
1: Yeah. Well, and And sticking with the theme of this show, Proco 360, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado, what have you found about the Colorado entrepreneurial environment, the business climate here that has really been helpful for you?
0: I think Colorado is one of the most innovative states, and it attracts some of the most talented people. The mm. quality of life here is is outstanding. And so people want to be here and really smart people want to be here. Mm. And so I think that it's a great state to be um, based out of. I love being on the Western Slope. I'm a Western Slope girl <laughs> uh, uh, by uh, born and raised in Montrose. And so I think it's really cool to have this great company here. But if I was want, if I was going to leave Durango, I would stay in, in Colorado. Yeah. It, it attracts just amazing people
1: hmm. Well, and when you reflect back on what you've done through your career at this point, I mean we all learn I think we learn the best lessons the hard way. so what have you learned what are you doing differently that makes you most proud?
0: Listening more hmm. I'm a talker and uh, and I can certainly fill up the room with lots of words. Mm -hmm. And I have learned how to ask really great questions and tease information and stories from Mm -hmm. people. And you can't do that when you talk. And so I think that's probably the biggest one of the biggest changes that I've made as a leader is just. You know, wait, why am I talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop yeah. talking and just mm-hmm. listen and ask great questions and let other people tell their stories. Cool.
1: Well, I can't let that comment go without asking a question, which is what's one of your favorite core foundational elements of a good question?
0: Uh, it, needs to, it needs to be soft enough. To, it needs to be direct and soft. Right? You don't want to put anybody on the spot questioning people can sometimes feel very awkward and so you don't want people to feel like you're hammering them with questions to try to get information out of them so it is about having directness and softness at the same time Mm. so one of the things that you said was this you know what did you mean by that tell me a little bit more Mm. uh and it, it teases the story out rather than, mm-hmm. why did you do that? Why did you make this decision? Yeah. Those are hard on the spot questions. Mm-hmm. And so it's really about teasing it out.
1: That's cool. You gotten better at it? Yes. Definitely. Oh, that's cool. Hey, let's wrap up. And uh, I'm Dave Tabor. And today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Carrie Siggins of Stone Age Water Blast Tools. Carrie, it's been fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Listeners, thanks for joining me on ProCo 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Microstar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. And a final thanks to Ty and Dustin here at the 92.9 The Point Studio in Durango, Colorado. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.